0: City Church Podcast, your home for the latest sermons and audio updates from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at 1211 First Avenue North on the third floor. But I love weddings. I love them. Weddings are absolutely fantastic. Everybody loves a good wedding. I mean, think about it. I think about when, when you get to see grandparents dancing to We Are Family. <laughs> right? When, when the DJ puts that song on and the grandparents hit the dance floor, your wedding has hit a great level. That's, that's a moment that is fantastic. Or, or how about just the food that is often accompanied with the wedding? I mean, weddings are famous for having just sumptuous, over the top foods that you don't get any other time, right? It's amazing. It's beautiful. Everybody loves weddings because even a bad wedding is a great party right? (laughs) Weddings are always absolutely fantastic. We love them. We, we love the emotion that's wrapped up into them. I mean, unless you're an absolute terrible person who doesn't cry at a father daughter dance, right? Everybody does, or at least gets a little misty eyed. Who doesn't love those moments in the wedding of, you know, the bride and groom hearing awkward toasts from their best man, from their maid of honor. Even bad weddings are good parties, but there's something about weddings that's sort of interesting, especially about wedding receptions. Wedding receptions for the bride and groom are this mixture of emotion, aren't they? They are incredibly excited. Yay! We just got married! Right? This is exciting! And at the same time, oh, this is the start of something new. This, this last dance with my parents is sort of the beginning of our new family. And then, if we sort of allow ourselves to think and and be a bit coy, there's also a sense in which most couples at their wedding reception, while they may be having an incredibly good time, are also ready for the wedding reception to be over. They have other things that they intend to go and do. They're already married, but their marriage has not yet been consummated. They're living in this time of tension. Where, yes, we're married, this is fantastic, the day is finally here, but it's not completed yet. And they're living in this sort of in-between moment, this moment of tension. This morning, we're going to, to look at the phrase in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come. And as we think of the prayer, thy kingdom come, one of the things that we need to begin to understand, one of the things that we have to set our minds on is that the kingdom of God is much like that tension that you feel during a wedding reception if you're a married couple. You are excited because you just got married. You are happy to be there, eating this wonderful food, hanging out with your friends, many times friends who you don't get to see that often. And so you want to be there, but then you also have anticipation. And so you are waiting for what's to come next. When we think about the kingdom of God, this is the way that we should feel. We should be living in this tension but most of us don't live in this tension. Because what happens to most of us is that we either think of the kingdom of God as something that is, that is spiritual and future. That it's, that it's way off there, that it's coming later, and it's nothing to be worried about now. That's how some of us feel. Or for others of us, the way that we feel is that the kingdom of God is present. It's now. It's what I'm doing with my hands. It's what I'm doing at work. That's the kingdom of God. Which begs the question, which is it? Is the kingdom of God something that is here and now and present? Or is the kingdom of God something that is yet to come? Something in the future? That's a good question. Let's do this. Let's stand up and read some of the scripture together. And let's see if we can begin to see what God means when he talks about his kingdom. I'm going to be reading several verses Uh, mostly from Matthew and a few from the letters of Paul. So let's listen as I read. "But, But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, Jesus said. And then he said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And lastly from Hebrews, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence. And all. City Church, this is the Word of God written thousands of years ago, but intended for us this morning. You may be seated. So, even in these verses that we read as we look across the New Testament, we feel this tension. Jesus says, If I am here, if I am here and casting out demons, then the kingdom of God is here. And then in other places, he said, but the kingdom of God isn't here. It's not about flesh and blood. It's not about eating and drinking. It's about something that is to come. And so in the New Testament, we even feel this tension. And so when we think about the kingdom of God, what we need to think about it is that it is something that is already here and not yet here. Just like the marriage during the reception is already the vows have been made, but it is not yet consummated. It is living in that in-between space in that moment. And what happens to us is we end up falling off of the road on one side of the other. We end up falling into the ditch. This is something that the church has struggled with For a long time. In fact, about 100, 120 years ago, this was something that was a big deal to the church. Because what happened is, there began to be a lot of wealth in America. And travel to other places uh, became a much easier thing. And so people, especially in, in America and in Great Britain, begin to say, you know what, we should begin to be involved and bringing the kingdom of God all around the world. And so they began to send missionaries all around the world. And the church was divided. When they get to this place that needs Jesus, what do they do? When they get to this place that needs Jesus, should they should they just begin to help them with their economy? Should they just begin to help them with food and basic clothing and needing? Is that what the kingdom of God is? And so some folks some churches some groups sent out people and said here's what we want you to do we want you to go help with the needs of the people overseas but other groups said no that's not okay we don't like that we don't like that idea here's what we think we think you should just go and tell people about jesus yeah fine they're hungry it doesn't matter this is a bigger deal and the church was split literally church denominations Seminaries, all sorts of things split over this question of which one of those is doing the work, the kingdom of God. But what we see when we make that an either-or proposition, when we say it's either helping people with their needs or it's just giving them Jesus, when we, when we make those opposites from one another, we fall into this idea that either the kingdom is totally here and there's nothing in the future, or the kingdom is all in the future and it has nothing to do with now. Let me, let me tease that out for you for a second. For those that were going and were helping people just with what they needed. Well, before I do that, why? Why did we have this divide? Why do churches, even today, still argue about this question? It's because the enemy doesn't want us to think about the kingdom of God. And what he wants us to do is argue about it and divide from one another about it. Because if we're arguing and divided about it, we're not doing that stuff. We have a a truncated view. We have a a view of it that doesn't include everything. And so when we begin to, to look at these two ideas, if the kingdom of God is just here and now, if it's just present in what we do with our hands, we are totally missing out on the fact that what God does for us in salvation. What the gospel teaches us is about our lives, is about the way that we behave, it is about those things, but it is also about our spiritual need for Him. See, some people want to turn Christianity and the kingdom of God into simply uh, Kiwanis plus Jesus, right? Or, or Rotarian, or Rotary Club, I guess they call themselves Rotarians. The other day I was at the soccer field and uh, two moms were talking and they were talking and they called, one of them said, well, you know, so-and-so, she's a great Montessorian which I can only assume is somebody who does Montessori school things, right? Uh, A Rotarian is somebody who's a part of the Rotary Club. And if you don't know, there's there's thousands of these. There's Kiwanis, the Optimist Club, the Rotary Club, and all of these things. And for some of us, what we do is we reduce Christianity to being the Rotary Club plus Jesus. We get together on a regular basis, and we pool our money to, to buy bumper stickers for the children of the month. And to encourage teachers. Or we we buy glasses for somebody who doesn't have glasses. And we reduce everything about Christianity down into nothing more than helping others with what they need. This misses completely on the fact that Christianity wants to address not just our physical needs, but our spiritual needs as well. What this misses on, what this really misses on in so many ways is the reality of the wrath of God which is something that we don't like to talk about. Because apart from Jesus we are under the wrath of God and no matter how much social justice work we do, if we are not connecting people to the Savior, we are not ultimately helping them come to know the kingdom. But here's the trouble. Some of us fall off in that direction, and it's bad. But going the far other direction is just as damaging to our Christian lives. It's just as damaging to the kingdom of God. Because while one group says the kingdom of God is present, and all it is is about helping others, about loving others, they miss the future. Well, the other side says the kingdom of God is just something for the future. That it's just about people converting to Jesus. So who cares if they don't have enough food to make it through next week? They converted, give me the brownie points, Jesus, I win. Right? This, was, this was much of the, the way that the church was motivated when it was evangelizing the American Indian tribes. It was a terrible and atrocious time where, where they would kill people who would not convert. It was an awful time in the history of the church. And that came from an idea... Came from this idea that, well, it's just a matter of getting people to convert and getting this spiritual need met. And it became an ignoring Jesus' call for mercy. Think about how many times Jesus talks about the way that we treat others, especially those who have less than us. It's interesting when Jesus is giving a story about the last days, he talks about men and women coming before the throne of judgment and him saying, thank you. Thank you for giving me water. Thank you for giving me food, for visiting me while I was in prison and for giving me clothes when I had none. And these these people are standing before Jesus and saying, um, Jesus, I'm wow, you're saying thank you to me, this is fantastic, I'm on board with that. One question, I've never met you, and I've never given you a cup of water, I never visited you when you were in prison, so what do we do? And Jesus says, no, no, no. Anytime you gave a cup of water to someone in need, you gave it to me. Anytime that you visited someone in prison, you were visiting me. The things that we do in this life matter to the kingdom of God. It is not just something that is future and spiritual. It matters with our hands and our feet what we do. This is why Jesus says it is on us to speak and love those who are oppressed to bring, as the song that we sang a few minutes ago said, bring captives to freedom. Uh, At City Church, one of the things that we do is we have community Bible reading. And so we all read the same chapter of the New Testament together um, in the mornings or the evenings, whenever you get to it. And over the past few weeks, basically a month, we've been reading the book of Revelation. And let's be honest, if you've been reading CBR along with us, it's probably been a tough month. Right? It's not exactly easy to open up to one of the most symbolic and obscure books of the Bible and say, I'm going to read this and see how Jesus is speaking to me this morning. It's often difficult. It's, you're not alone. I'm your pastor. Studied this in grad school. Still difficult for me. Right? But one of the things I've been thinking about is how often does the question of eternity and the future enter your mind? For me, That enters my mind very rarely. I'm far more happier and content to sacrifice doing something that matters for something that gives me a moment of pleasure. For something that gives me a time to relax. For something that allows me to escape from all of the struggle that is our life. And so I'm very quick to discount eternity. So then, yes, we fall off. We think that the kingdom of God is just here and it's not in the future. Or we think that the kingdom of God is just in the future and it's not here. So then, what is it? How do we begin to build up an idea of the kingdom of God that is not just something that is a nice sort of lecture where all of us walk away a little bit smarter, but rather something that affects you and I today in downtown St. Petersburg? See, the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place living under God's rule. And that is something that we do experience here and now. We experience God's people in God's place living under God's rule. But we don't experience it in fullness, do we? This is, this is like the, the med school student who has graduated with his MD but has not yet passed his boards. Is that person a doctor? Um, They get to wear a white coat. They got that back in med. uh, Yes, no, right? The lawyer who has graduated from law school but not yet passed the bar. Are they a lawyer? Well, I mean, they're done with grad school. They're kind of, yes, but no. Uh, mm, This tension, right? This is exactly where we live in the kingdom of God. Do we know and experience God's people around us? If you're a part of a church, yes, you do. But are those people perfect and walking and living just like Jesus? No. No, they are not. No church is free from its problems, right? So even when we have God's people together, it is not the perfect thing that will come. And God's place. Does God rule and reign on this planet? Is the curse that was put on this world beginning to be reversed? Yes, in some ways it is. But in other ways, it's not, is it? Do thorns still litter the ground? Or to think of the curse in another way, is your work still toilsome? No matter how much you love your job, no matter how much you enjoy being a student, no matter where you are, is the thing that you are called to do, your vocation, sometimes toilsome? Yes. That's why they call it work. That's why there are times where we have to put our heads down and keep going. That is part of the curse. Is that still something we are experiencing? Yeah. I'm living under God's rule. We do this and we don't do this, don't we? But the thing is, when we think about God's people and God's place and God's role, when we think about the kingdom of God, let's be honest, most of us don't even think about that, right? When's the last time you ask yourself a question about the kingdom of God? Probably not recently for most of us. And we don't like to think of it Because it's complex, right? The the, the tension between God's kingdom's here, and it's not yet here. Mm, I'd rather not think about that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to love Jesus, and I'm going to ignore that. And what happens is, we become a siloed, individualist Christian. Which is not what God intended us to be. Do you notice when we pray the Lord's Prayer, are there any... This is—I know this is a grammar nerd thing—but follow me on it. Are there any first-person singular pronouns? I, me, my. No. What about "Give me this day my daily bread"? Jesus, is that what the Lord's Prayer says? No. Oh. Give us our daily bread. Whose father is it in heaven? Is it my father who is in heaven? No. It's our Father who is in heaven. All of the times that the, that the Lord's Prayer uses a pronoun for us, He uses it collectively. Because we are not meant to live in isolation from one another. The kingdom of God is not a bunch of individuals. The kingdom of God is us collectively. And when we ignore the kingdom of God, we silo ourselves off from what God intended community to be. Or for some of us, and, and this is something if you're here this morning you're not a Christian, what often happens is when you think of the idea of God's kingdom, what you do is you look around through history and you look at all of the atrocities that have been committed in Jesus' name, and you immediately go, Yeah, I'm out. Have you ever heard of these things called the Crusades? They weren't exactly the nicest thing in the planet. So I'm out. Have you heard the scandals with such and such church? No, thank you. And so immediately we begin to ignore the kingdom. We begin to ignore Jesus for what's been done in his name. But we, the church, are called to something different. Because Jesus not only died for our sins, it's not just that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you and me. He rose again from the dead. Now, that's something we just sort of breeze by. What does the resurrection matter to you? We don't think about what, what is. Yeah, Jesus came back to life, so, so He's alive and that's cool. Neat. Fantastic. I'm happy about that. No, no, no. What the resurrection was, was it was the future crashing into the present who rises from the dead nobody people don't rise from the dead that's sort of a thing right we have several doctors here in our church and most of them can affirm that people don't rise from the dead it's sort of a medical truism you know sort of a a handy tool of the trade you don't rise from the dead except for that time with Jesus when somebody did rise from the dead what was that That was the kingdom of God. That was the future. That was what will one day be. It is the glorious future of this earth crashing into the present. So guess what God's people are called to do with our lives? We are called to reach into the future and grab it and snatch it into the present. By, by the way that we love others, by the radical way that we connect with other people and love them, we are grabbing the love that is the future of the kingdom and we are breaking it into the present. The way that we treat other people is us reaching forward into the future and bringing it into the now. And so the role that we are called on as Christians is to be citizens of another kingdom and bringing that kingdom to this world. It is interesting. There was a a pastor in the 70s who was traveling through Europe and he was traveling through some of the Cold War sort of Eastern Bloc, Russian-influenced nations and they were on a train and they were going to Romania and they were told, look, Romania is not too friendly to Christianity so heads up it might be a problem and so as they began to cross the border into Romania the train stopped and a set of guards boarded the train began to ask for papers and when they saw that this pastor and some of his friends were Americans they began to hassle them and sort of really what they were looking for was a bribe and so these, this pastor didn't quite know what to do And so all of a sudden, the guard's boss comes on. He hears the commotion, and he comes on. And he sees the woman sitting by the pastor, and he points at her bag and says, What's in the bag? And she opens the bag and pulls out a Bible. And he looks at the Bible, kind of thumbs through it, sets it back down, and he looks at the pastor's passport, he says, You are not American. He looks at the woman who just grabbed the Bible off her lap and says, you're not American. Then he looks at himself and he points to himself and he says, I'm not Romanian. We're a part of the kingdom of Jesus. Tells the other dudes to get off the train, and they carry on about their business. What he understood is that at the end of the day, our primary allegiance is not to a nation, a people group, an interest group, our primary allegiance is to Jesus and his kingdom because he has begun to give us new life. And that new life has started now, but we're living in the time of the reception. It is not fully what it will be one day. The kingdom of God has not yet been consummated and yet we live in this new life. And so what do you do when you're at a wedding reception? You celebrate love. You enjoy one another. You are kind to one another. I mean, think about it. How many times have you ever seen, like, it's very rare, like, people getting upset, like, what happens if you're seated at table nine and you don't get your food for 30 minutes before table one? Does anybody at a wedding make a big stir? No, like, that's fine. I'm about to get salmon or steak, right? <laughs> this is great. Every And so what we do is we begin to live And this new life. And this new life works itself out. Yes, in the here and now. Yes, in an internal way. Where we begin to look around and see what God's rule is not doing in our life. And I begin to repent of that. I begin to see how I'm not living up to God's standards. And I begin to believe more and more in the good news of Jesus. I have unmerited affection for my King. But not only that, it begins to work itself out externally too. In the way that I serve others, the way that Jesus has served me. And the way that I radically love others, the way that Jesus has radically loved me. And so the kingdom of God lives in this moment where it is already and not yet. And as we inhabit that, it affects not just us internally as we worship Him, but it affects us externally as we love others. The kingdom of God is here. And it is coming. And it's beautiful. And it is changing us and this world. Let's pray.